This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everyone. It is Bryce and Ren here, co-founders of Equity Mates Media, and we're here to announce our IPO. That's right. Equity Mates' initial party offering is here. FinFest is coming. We're calling all bulls, bears, and party animals. The market's closed, the bar is open, and we're trading ideas at Australia's biggest investing festival. With expert speakers, special guests, DJs, and booze, it's an inspiring and empowering event for investors of any level of experience. So save the date, 15th of October, 2022. Head to equitymates.com slash FinFest to register your interest today. Equitymates FinFest is powered by Stake. You're listening to Get Started Investing, a production of Equitymates Media. This series is everything you need to get started on your investing journey. You don't need a lot of brains in this business. Investing in yourself is the best thing you can do. Anything that improves your own time. Now you can get rich very young just by having an idea. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. Welcome to Get Started Investing. In this podcast, we cover all the basics that you need to start your investing journey. Are you joining us for the very first time? Is this the very start of your investing journey? Well, before you dive into this episode with us, our feed is designed to go from the very beginning. So that we strongly recommend that you scroll up and start at episode one. However, if you are feeling brave, then of course, don't let us stop you diving in. Here at JSI, we unpack all the jargon and the confusing bits. We hear your investing stories with the goal of making investing less intimidating. And of course, we like to have a good time along the way. My name is Bryce. And as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you going? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for this episode. We found some uh, very interesting data on ETFs, some of the most loved and most hated ETFs of the last year. So we thought we would uh, talk. We, we would share that data and then uh, throw out some wild speculation <laughs> as to why we think they're loved uh, and um, loved and not hated, but just less loved. Less loved. Unloved. Yeah. Haven't got as much of the love. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. There's still there's still plenty of love to go around in the ATF space. I wonder if uh, we own any of the unloved ones, which we'll get to later in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Good question. Yeah. <laughs> So before we jump into that, I'm really looking forward to this episode, five of the most loved and a few of the least loved. We have some really exciting news and Ren, that is that we are about to IPO. Yes, we (laughs) have done it. Uh, Everyone can go to the website and subscribe. Um, We are IPOing. That's it. It is our initial party offering. We're not going public just yet, but Equity Mates FinFest is coming and we are calling all bulls, bears and party animals to uh, to come and trade ideas with us at Australia's biggest investing festival and that is FinFest. There's going to be expert speakers and guests, DJs, booze. It's going to be inspiring, empowering and it's for any level of investor. We have felt for a while that finance events around Australia have often been a little bit boring and uninspiring and we're here to change that. 
uh, save the date, 15th of October, 2022 here in Sydney and uh, head to equitymates.com slash finfest. Uh, it's going to be in the show notes to register your interest and we will uh, make sure that we let you know when early bird tickets are on sale. But it's going to be an awesome event, something that Australia has never really seen before. We're bringing the atmosphere of a festival with the, I guess, education and inspiring content of uh, the Equity Mates community and podcasts to help you on your investing journey. So it's going to be epic. We yeah. can't wait. Should be great. Go to equitymates.com slash finfest to subscribe to the IPO. It'll be the best <laughs> investment you ever made. Let's Come go. and party with us. Come and learn with us. The market will be closed. The bars will be open and it's just going to be a great, great Saturday. So we look forward to seeing you then. We're going to let you know plenty of information over the next few months as we get guest speakers. We've got an awesome venue that we'll be announcing soon. So yeah, equitymates.com slash finfest. Uh, to register your interest and subscribe to that initial party offering. We're really, really pumped. Okay, so we've got some data. Yeah, let's do it. And let's start with uh, without the most loved and most hated. Um, as is becoming a tradition for Get Started Investing, um, I put some polls up on our Instagram and one data point really surprised me. So I want to ask you, I, I don't know if you've seen the responses to the polls. Mm-mm. Great. Otherwise, this bit would really fall flat on its face. Um <laughs> The first question I asked, do you own an ETF in your portfolio? What do you reckon the response was? Overwhelmingly, yes. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But uh, you, but, want, you want a percentage? Well, yeah. Okay, at least 85% of respondents said that they own an ETF. Okay, you kind of nailed it. 86% said yes, 14% no. But for me, the 14% surprised me yeah. these days because it feels like ETFs are just such a staple of our investing experience that – Investors of any level, even professional investors, like you look at Ray Dalio's portfolio and it's just- The number one holdings in ETF. It, yeah, <laughs> the top holdings are all ETFs. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's just like such a, because they're easy to access and they're liquid and, you know, all of the, the reasons that we love ETFs. I would have actually assumed, I kind of felt silly putting that question up because I thought it would be 100%. So uh, that has really interest me. Yeah, well, I wonder at what le- at what stage of the investing journey those people may be, and if the first thing that they've bought is a single stock and they haven't bought anything else yet. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, or yeah. But yeah, I agree. It feels that uh, if you don't have an ETF in your portfolio, then uh, you're missing a trick. Yeah, we are obviously talking about ETFs today um, because every year uh, more and more ETFs come onto the market. I think. There's what, about 250 listed in Australia at the moment? At least. I think there's over 1,000 listed in the US. Oh, way more. Probably way more, you reckon? Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure. It, it gets more and more every year. I think it was 1,000 a couple of years ago. Do you reckon by the end of this decade, there'll be more exchange-traded products than there are like listed securities? Jeez, that'd be <laughs> overwhelming and huge overlap. Way too much overlap, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but with so much choice... Obviously, money moves around a lot. There's ETFs that people are buying more of. Uh, when money flows to those ETFs, that's called inflows. And then there's ETFs that people are pulling their money out of. And when people pull their money out of ETFs, that's outflows. And so for the past year, uh, for 2021, we have found data of the ETFs with the most inflows and those with the most outflows, net of you know the, the two. So headline... There are five Australian ETFs that have had over 800 million net inflow. So 800 million more going in than coming out. And four that have had over 1 million net outflow. 
100 Sorry, million. Sorry, 100 million net outflow. <laughs> 1 yeah. million net outflow. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're calling these the most loved and the least loved. And uh, we want to talk about what we can learn from this data. And, and obviously this is Australian data, but I think a lot of what we talk about th- will be mirrored in countries around the world. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Although America does have a lot more ETFs that are thematic based, I think. I think they have a obviously much more choice. But Let's talk about thematic ETFs because... Um, the the top five most loved, and we'll read the list out in a second. No thematic ETFs. No. Or would you say global sustainability leaders? I guess. Well, so it's coming in at number five. Yeah, number five, eight hundred and two million net inflow. And this is the BetaShares global sustainability leaders. Would you call that thematic? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's a thematic ETF. Yeah. So I asked the Equity Mates community how many of them own thematic ETFs. How many are just indexes only? And then uh, how many just don't own ETFs at all? How many do you think uh, own thematics? What do you reckon the split is there? Thematic versus um, index? Yeah. I would say the split still weights towards index 60-40. Close. Uh, It's 60-40 the other way. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. For me, that's not the case, I don't think. I think majority of mine are index. No, 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 sorry. It's how many people own thematics and then... Oh, okay. Yeah, Not yeah, like yeah. split of your portfolio. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So the th- the ticket for this is Ethi, uh, I'm pretty sure, um, for the ASX one. Um, so that's 802 million inflow. So very, very popular. The next one ran fourth on the list. Vanguard Diversified High Growth, VDHG. 808 million inflow. Very popular in the equity mm. community. Well, very popular in Australia <laughs> given it's fourth on the list. True. <laughs> Coming in at number three was the BetaShares NASDAQ 100 NDQ. Uh, it's been a favorite of, of mine for a while. I think it was one of the first ATFs I bought. Yeah. Yeah. It tracks the top 100 tech stocks on the NASDAQ. 828 million uh, going into that last year. No surprises there. Uh, the second on the list, Vanguard MSCI International Shares, VGS. Very, very popular. Very popular. One billion net inflow. Uh, very popular, especially with the FIRE um, movement. Yes. That one and the Vanguard Diversified High Growth um, get a lot of love. They do get a lot of love. Uh, it really tracks the MSCI world. X Australia, it's worth pointing out is VGS. So if you are buying into that, uh, make sure you look under the hood because you won't be getting exposure to the Aussie stock share market. Which leads us nicely to number one, uh, the the crowned uh, 2021 champion of loved ETFs. We'll have to come up with a better title. But <laughs> uh, Vanguard as well, uh, Vanguard Australian shares, ticker VAS, $2 billion net inflow, more, uh, double the second place, also a Vanguard ETF, tracks the ASX 300 index, number one. Number one, yeah. I mean, talk about home country bias. Any surprises in there for you? Uh, VAS. Being number one? Yeah. Because because it's Australian? Yeah, because it's the Aussie, Aussie share market. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we all know, as I said, home country bias, big, big sort of cognitive bias for investors. Based on how the community speak about ETFs and 
what we hear, I'm not surprised with any of those. My big thing was if you think about uh, the ETFs that launched last year, you know, there was some uh, that got a lot of fanfare. The crypto ones were towards the end of the year, so they didn't have a full run at the year against some of these ones. But throughout the year, you know, we saw electric vehicle ETFs, we saw lithium and battery ETFs, we saw semiconductor ETFs, we saw hydrogen ETFs, some of the biggest like hot themes of the moment, but none of them, even though they launched, so they were new, so they were getting all new money, they didn't even compete with these sort of more established NASDAQ 100, Vanguard International, Vanguard Australia. So even though there's like all these hot themes that are being captured by these new ETFs, they're not beating the um, more conservative, more long-term, I guess, just dollar cost average in set and forget ETFs. Yeah. Which I think is a really pleasing sign. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's also probably a lot of superannuation money and all sorts of bits and pieces. Well, going, that's great. Going, super funds are investing sensibly. These. Yeah. That's not something to be upset about. No, no, I'm not upset about it, but I think it explains it. But $2 billion into Aussie shares, it's I'm, I'm surprised it's there's such a gap there. A billion dollars between the next biggest inflow. Mm. That, that's pretty massive. Yeah, so we will unpack some of these because the interesting thing is, um, you know, Vanguard Australia, number one, there are a number of ETFs that track the same index or very similar indexes. Um, So it's interesting to think about why the Vanguard one is so much loved than, you know, the other, the beta shares, the iShares, the State Street, because it's not like Vanguard do a lot of marketing. Funny you say that. I actually saw them on TV the other day. Really? Yeah, and I was like, this is interesting. Oh. Yeah, really going for the personal investor um, targeting you and I. Right. Okay, yeah. well, I take that back. Maybe it is their marketing. <laughs> but we'll, 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 unpack, just- we'll unpack why we think these ETFs are the most loved in a little bit. Yeah. But let's not keep people in suspense. Well, quick question. Of those five, how many do you have? Uh, one. Yeah, same. Uh, is it the same one? NDQ. Yeah. 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 All right, well, let's go to the least love. Now, I want to preface here that when we say least love, we're not saying these are bad ETFs. These are just ETFs that haven't had as much love. And also, we're not saying anything. Yeah, we're not. The market is saying this, and we are merely reflections of the market's data. (laughs) So, number four is the self wealth, self managed super fund leaders. ASX ticker is self. Yeah. Must you, say I've never heard of this. Do you want some information on it? I think it sounds pretty boring, but sure. Well, no, not well some may say everything we talk about in investing is boring. True, so true. that's subjective. Well, but, what, what is it? So the because I'd never heard of it before. No. Um Self Wealth SMSF leaders, ASX ticker self, is tracks a concentrated Australian equity portfolio with a maximum of seventy-five stocks constructed using the top self-managed super fund portfolios from a pool of over 80,000. The portfolio is equal weighted and rebalanced quarterly. So they find the best performing self-managed super funds and then reflect their holdings. Based equal on their weighted, platform. Only Australian. No, it's not... It does. I was trying to figure out, is it on their platform? But I think it's from like another data source. Or maybe it is from their platform. Right, no, I got right. a bit lost. Uh, it wasn't clear. But yeah, strange ETF. So we've got Self, ASX Self. That's number four. Ren, coming in at number three is the Vanguard Australian Fixed Interest ETF, VAF. 
Yep, lost uh, net $116 million. If you're not sure what that is, they invest in and have a, uh, a portfolio of fixed interest products, so government and corporate bonds and all those sorts of products. That yeah, pay, they invest in, interest. invest in debt that pay interest. So um, not a, love, a lot of love there. Coming in second was the iShares S&P 500 Australian dollars hedged. This is interesting. I wouldn't be expecting that, but the ticket is IHVV, uh, 157 million outflow. Uh, and then coming in at number one is the iShares Core Cash ASX ticker bill, net 200 million outflow. Uh, that is not surprising for me. No, no. Um, given what's going on with inflation and cash not being king, um, having all your money in a cash ETF. Not great. Yeah. Now I've pulled the uh, the performance of that ETF, so we can talk <laughs> about that. But uh, let's take a quick break and then uh, talk about some of our key headline takeaways, and then uh, maybe get under the hood and talk about some of, especially the unloved ones, because there's some interesting stuff to unpack there. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, Ren. Well, let's uh, quickly whip around the room and get some key headline takeaways from uh, those nine ETFs that we just went through. So what have you got? My number one, investor tastes are traditional. There were two ETFs that hit the billion-dollar club, VAS, Vanguard Australian shares, VGS, Vanguard International shares. They're two of the most boring ETFs on the market. (laughs) Vanguard as an investing brand is boring. And that's not pejorative. That is yeah, yeah. as positive as you can be. But yeah. like that is their brand. Yeah. And then the most vanilla indexes they're following as well. Yeah. But that investor tastes, uh, that is where investor money is going. Yeah. And that's in the ATF game, that's what matters. And you love to see it. Another one where you speak of Vanguard and obviously brand does matter, it seems, because it's dominated by beta shares and Vanguard, but Vanguard seem to have the upper hand when it comes to ETFs. Three of the four top funds of Vanguard, in fact, across all ASX ETFs in 2021, Vanguard drew in 30% of net inflows. So I remember they were the the brand that I knew first off the bat when we started in investing. Um, they certainly were the ones that everyone spoke about, low cost index, and they continue to to be what seems to be market leader globally in that space. So uh, when I went out to the equity mates community to ask uh, these questions, one of the ones I asked was, "What's your favorite ATF provider?" Just like forget what ATFs, just tell me of the of the major brands. So I said, Vanguard, BetaShares, BlackRock, which is iShares, or um, I spread the love. You know, like I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't care. Yeah. My response would probably be that, like I don't really me like too. I love them all, but I care about the product more than the brand. Me too. Um, who do you think was number one in the poll though? Well, um, it's got to be between these two, Vanguard and Beta Shares. Yeah, but who do you think was number one? Vanguard. Yeah, Vanguard. Forty-five percent Vanguard, thirty-two percent Beta Shares. Forty-five percent. Wow. Six uh, percent iShares. 
There you go. <laughs> sorry, BlackRock. <laughs> sorry, sorry, BlackRock. Uh, but yeah, Vanguard loved by uh, not the reflect. Market. That's not reflected in my portfolio. I think I only have one Vanguard share. It's property property ETF. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've got um, a couple of Vanguard, few beta shares. Um, I spread the love. You know. Nice. Uh, and then third takeaway, cash is trash. We know that. No surprise that the least love ETF is cash, as we said, in the era of inflation. And if you're wondering what inflation is and the impact that it has on your cash, we did an episode a couple of weeks ago. So make sure you go and listen to that to uh, to un- understand all the basics there is to know with uh, inflation. So let's uh, unpack this ETF though, because you say cash is trash. Um and it was the most unloved ETF, the iShares Core Cash ASX ticker bill. And so what it does, it employs a passive investment strategy that aims to provide investors with the performance of the S&P ASX bank bill index. And basically what that means is uh, it gets whatever interest it can get on cash. And if you think about your savings account at the moment, Empty. Not much. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're just not a very good saver. That's why it's empty. No, I've got a wedding coming up. <laughs> <laughs> this ETF gets interest on only, but only on instruments that can be sold that day that are like really truly liquid. So basically, if you think, you know, in our savings account, we can access that money that day, but we get what? What's what interest rate do you get on your savings account these days? Oh, I think it's barely a percent. I think I get a bonus interest rate of like 0.5% mm. if I like don't take any money out and stuff. And then, you know, if you put if you lock your money up in a term deposit, yep. you get a little bit better. Barely. This ETF isn't even doing term deposits. It's saying only Bank only accounts. instruments that I can pull, I can sell and pull the money out that day. Mm. So like the lowest interest rates basically. Mm. Mm. Since inception in 2017, do you want to guess what the fund has returned? Oh, it's can't be more than it can't be more than what's in what we'd get in a bank account. So it can't be more than one and a half percent. Yeah. So uh, since 2017, uh, and so obviously interest rates have gone down in the five years it's been operating. Uh, it's returned 1.02 percent a year. Yeah. So it's just this is the big question for me with this is if you're going to be investing in this ETF. Why not just put your money in a bank account? Yeah. But now I want to defend this ETF. Okay. Because this is an ETF that is that is operating exactly as it's designed to operate. It is true to label. It sells investors what it is doing and it does that. Yeah. And that's great. Because well, you, when you think most ETFs don't do that. No, no, no. I but I think like we can't we can't rubbish this ETF because it's only got 1.02% a year because that's what it isn't designed to do. Of course, yeah, it is yeah. incredibly like low risk, low return. But when you're constructing a portfolio and you want to have some holding in cash, and maybe this is an easy way to get some interest on that cash, uh, but give yourself optionality if you then, you know, the market falls and you want to sell it and then do something else with it. So like from a portfolio construction point of view, having options like this available is great. Yes. Yeah. But even on uh, BlackRock's website on the iShares website, it says this product is likely in bold to be appropriate for a con- consumer seeking capital preservation with low risk return profile. This product is unlikely in bold to be appropriate for a consumer as a whole portfolio solution. Yeah. So even BlackRock are like, 
Don't go all in. Don't go all in on this. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, we're, we're laughing at this because it's the most unloved. Uh, it had the most money pulled out last year. It's returned 1% a year. But in its defense, it is exactly operating exactly as it's intended to do. But it's just important to recognize that it's not intended for your whole portfolio. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Not one that is going to be found in my portfolio, that's for sure, Ren. Uh, but I can certainly see how it could be used in portfolio construction. Yeah. Now, yes. do you think there's other cash ETFs out there? I know beta shares have one. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I'm not. I'm never clicking on the cash high interest options. When, oh, really? I, when I'm looking for um, when I'm looking you could for say, ETFs, you could say high interest ETFs have low interest. Yeah, very low. <laughs> no interest for me. No interest. Yeah. So um, there were a few, but a lot of them have closed. So UBS had one that shut uh, May 2020. Pinnacle had one that shut in June 2020. Perennial had one that shut in July 2021. I'd be shutting them um, all. But Obviously, this one we're talking about, BlackRock, iShares have one, and you're right, BetaShares have one. I think I found a second one from iShares as well, Enhanced Cash. So there's a couple out there, but yeah, if I was an ATF provider, I wouldn't be rushing to make the next one. Nah. Well, not not in this environment anyway, that's for sure. Yeah. I'd just be like, BetaShares, BlackRock, you got this covered. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's stick on um, unpacking some of the uh, unloved ones. We did mention SELF, the Self Wealth SMS Self-Managed Super Fund Leaders, ASX ticker SELF. Let's get into that a bit. You mentioned, Ren, concentrated Australian equity portfolio with a maximum of 75 stocks constructed using the top performing self-managed super fund portfolios from a pool of over 80,000. To unpack that, as I understand it, they're looking somehow they've got data of the so, 80,000 self-managed super funds. So um, BGL is Australia's largest self-managed super fund software administration platform. Okay. And so BGL have the 80,000 portfolios. Okay. They provide that data to SelfWealth and then SelfWealth use their quote proprietary ranking system uh, to rank the portfolios and then build an index out of the portfolios. Okay. And so to be clear, self-managed super funds, so my mum and dad might have their data on this BGL. If whatever. they use BGL. If they then use yeah, BGL yeah. and it'll be in that pool of 80,000. Yeah. And should they have one of the top performing yeah. funds? Mr. and Mrs. Lesky returning 150% <laughs> a year, long oil and iron ore. <laughs> yeah. Self- no cash, that's self- for sure. <laughs> Self-wealth are like, wow, and these so guys are not- killing it. What What's in the water in Wagga? And- because this is investing mecca. And so then of those, they're taking so- stocks from the portfolios or they're just tracking the performance of 80, 75 portfolios? No, no. They're taking the stocks from the portfolios and then they equal weight up to 75 of the stocks. And so- I don't pay pay this at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Uh, So if we look at the top holdings, you know, they're obviously equal weighted every quarter and then some stocks go up, some stocks go down. But the biggest holdings uh, as of the 9th of March- um, Woodside Petroleum, South 32, North Star Resources, Beach Energy, Newcrest Mining, Evolution Mining, Santos, Rio Tinto. You hearing? The, is there a theme there? <laughs> the retirees are into mining and, and energy. <laughs> well, and, and to be fair, that's because mining and energy have done really well hmm. since it was last rebalanced. But having a look at the full holdings, it's basically like 75 of the ASX 300. 75 stocks of the ASX 300, yeah. just big, big Australian companies. 
you know, there's Cochlear, Coles, Endeavor Group, BHP, Woolworths, Boral, Westpac, AGL, JB Hi-Fi, A2 Milk, Crown Resources. I mean, like some great companies, ResMed, but it's it's um, it would get very close to tracking the just tracking the ASX two hundred. But you're also just relying on a strategy built by people who run self managed super funds with a uh, the self wealth overlay. Over yeah, the top like of it. it's just we're like, probably talking ourselves out of any self wealth sponsorship. But hey, <laughs> that's okay. I think um, it's worth us asking these questions because I didn't know this super fund existed. Sorry, this ETF existed. And I do have a question about whether it needs to. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. Well, how's it performed? Well, that's a great question, Bryce. Uh, the Since the self-managed super fund leaders ETF launched, the ASX 200 has returned 6.8% per annum. This ETF has returned 2.66% oh. per annum. Oh, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I guess well, you can, in my no, in the notes here, I wrote in italics, is this something people want? A mix and match of a bunch of self-managed super fund portfolios yeah, exactly. that have all been constructed with different time horizons in mind. Who thought this would be a good idea? Maybe that's a bit harsh, but I guess for me, that, that time horizon thing is confusing because Mr. and Mrs. Lesky might have a 10-year, 20-year time horizon. Yeah. But if I'm managing my self-managed super fund, I might have a 50-year time horizon and I wonder how that gets integrated into the platform because in theory, I my portfolio will be higher risk, but it will probably return better than your folks. Um, your folks will probably get a bigger dividend and be less volatile. I, I don't know. It just it feels like we're trying to we're trying to squash things together that don't need to be squashed yeah, together. Yeah, try, trying to be a bit clever for something that doesn't need to exist. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, we should say right of reply to self-wealth if uh, they want to – they want to defend it. Tough to defend when there's a um, <laughs> hundred million coming out of it, but yeah, sure. So, should we have a look at some of the, a couple of the more loved ones? Let's go. Yeah, let's be positive. Let's, fin- let's, let's finish, finish on a positive. positive note. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Vanguard um, Australian shares the biggest uh, biggest inflow, two billion. It tracks the ASX three hundred. I'm sure many of you have it in your portfolio. It's straightforward index. There's no there's no mix match equal weighting. Uh, it's just your your ASX three hundred. Yeah, market cap weighted. Yeah. Um, on Reddit, when I was uh just doing some research before this app, a lot of people were asking why this ETF VAS uh gets slightly different returns to A two hundred, which is the beta shares ASX two hundred ETF. The, straightforward. Well, I think you know it, the question was being asked on Reddit, so it's it's, it's a question that people are asking. Yeah. Um, the ASX three hundred and the ASX two hundred have massive overlap because if you own the ASX three hundred, you have the all two hundred of the ASX two hundred stocks, and then the next one hundred largest. Yeah. So there's massive overlap, but the weightings are different. So that's that's why the performance will be a little bit different. It will move very in line, but. The 200 means that you're a little bit more concentrated and so there'll be a, you know, a few percentage points um, different over a long period of time. For me, I'd be questioning why you would go a 300 over a 200 just given the weighting of the top 10 stocks in the 200 and the, the performance impact that it has, those, those companies have, if that makes sense. Yeah, but I mean, you could flip it the other way and say, 
like it's not going to make a massive difference either way. No. Like you just have you'll have slightly more of the two hundred. Yeah, I, I guess I yeah the way I, reason I would question it I would always take a personally I'd take a more concentrated if I had two options that are very similar. I would love to see some research on like does it make a difference? Probably you know, probably doesn't because the bottom one hundred so, barely make an impact. So like in America we all invest in the S and P five hundred. Yeah. If you had the option for the S and P. 300 you would prefer that i think so yeah i mean how far do you extend that logic like what if it was well, you could go the asx 50 and probably get a very similar result to asx 200 yeah or asx 10 <laughs> yeah I it's think- just the way that the markets are at the moment with such huge concentration of very small companies at the top that that point over a long period yeah. of time over a long period of time i know that 0.1 percent here and there I think I think the logic so right now we're living in an era where in America it's like Apple and Amazon and Microsoft who are the biggest companies but also are the best performers. And in Australia, you know, BHP and Rio, they continue to do incredibly well. The banks are having a bit of a moment. I think if we look back historically, the reason that you go for like the 300 rather than the 200 is it's a lot of those like smaller names like the mid caps in the the lower down the list that are the ones that are faster growing, whereas like the the names at the top of the list, the ComBanks and the, you know, the the boring companies at the top generally grow slower. So that's why you want the exposure to the lower end of the list. Yeah, 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 yeah. Th- that's very long-term. Yeah. <laughs> well, aren't we long-term investors? Very, <laughs> long, very long-term. But, but I, 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 but I, if- give, I give that at this point in time, that doesn't seem to be holding. No. Yeah, and I think the Aussie market's a little bit different as well. Like it's been banking and mining for a very, very long time. Yeah. I no think- surprises that the VAS is the number one. Yeah. And, yeah, and for me, if I was owning the ASX 200 or the ASX 300, I wouldn't own, lose an ounce of sleep nah. over should I own the other one. No, no, no. Number two, Vanguard MSCI Index International Shares. Now be careful. As we said, international, this is ex-Australia. So if you did want Aussie exposure, you'd need to buy um, VAS or A- A200. Uh, it had a billion inflow. For me, these ones, biggest call out whenever you're looking, oh, I'm going to take a global approach. Look under the hood because I'm pretty sure uh, I would be confident in saying that 75, 80% of the weighting of these stocks are going to be in US stock market. Yeah. That's definitely not a, a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination. The US stock market, biggest stock market in the world. So it's not surprising. Some of the biggest companies in the world, not surprising. But if you're going in thinking, I'm going to get 25% European exposure, 25% um, Asian exposure, 25% US exposure, think again. Um, you, you might need to be a bit more selective in how you build a portfolio of ETFs. Well, how, how much do you reckon's in so of this one? Uh, how much do you reckon's in North America? I so just the United States, not even Canada, just the United States. I reckon at least seventy five percent. Seventy point one percent. Yeah, there you go. Then the next biggest is Japan at six point four. Yeah, there you go. And so, and so and then if you look at the companies that we're talking about, not even Europe. Uh, well, Europe isn't a country. <laughs> Play on. <laughs> then the third biggest is the United Kingdom, four percent. Canada, three and a half. France, three point three. Switzerland, two point nine. Germany, two point six. So Europe mm. gets a run. Does um, get a run, but but yeah, pretty insignificant. The biggest holdings in this ETF, 
Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, Alphabet, Tesla, Alphabet, Facebook, Nvidia, Johnson and Johnson, United Health Group, S and P five hundred. Yeah. yeah. So if you if you own this uh, ETF, this um, VGS, and you also own like a Nasdaq one hundred or an S and P five hundred, you just have to be aware that a lot of the biggest names in both of those ETFs are the same. Yeah. Yeah. The way that I think about this is if you truly want international exposure, go out and find the ETFs that will give you direct exposure to those countries or continents and then build a portfolio around that, i.e. Yeah, like European ETF that invests in the European, I say European, but the the London Stock Exchange. So Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Japan, go and find an ETF that invests in the Japanese stock exchange, stock market. If if you hear in the news that Europe is going to do a lot better than America over the next decade and you're like, great, I own the... Vanguard MSCI International Shares Index uh, ETF. You barely notice it. Y- yeah, <laughs> y- America will be the driver of those returns. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's important to keep in mind. There's a lot of chat in our Facebook group about ETF overlap. Um, Mark Monfort, big shout out to him. He does a lot of good work on that space. So, ETFtracker.com.au. Yeah. So you can jump into our Facebook group and join the conversation there if you want to. Uh, I guess really understand overlap. My concluding thought on overlap, though, is always I would much rather it's much better to have two ETFs with a bit of overlap than no ETFs at all. Oh, of course, it's don't yeah. Don't let perfection don't, be the enemy of the group. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But don't have five ETFs that all track the same thing. Better to have five than zero. <laughs> sure, <laughs> but anyway, yes, that I mean, that's going to be your answer to everything. It is. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, that does bring us to the end. Bit of a longer episode. Hold on, today. hold on, hold on. I know we're it's a longer episode, but there's one more question I want to ask. Okay. So, of the top four ETFs, so uh, Vanguard Diversified High Growth, Beta Shares Nasdaq 100, Vanguard International Shares, Vanguard Vanguard Australian Shares, the four most loved ETFs of the past year. So of those four, I went out to the Equity Mates community to take their, to ask them which they would prefer for the next decade. What do you think was the most popular? NDQ. Second most popular NDQ. Oh, high growth. Yeah, Vanguard diversified high growth. So it actually was the exact opposite of the order that they came in in this market I data. The- I have a theory with this and it's let's not go down a rabbit hole but it's like um it's just like clickbait titles. It's branding. Yeah, yeah you put you, you put, put high growth high, in something. But also like diversified high growth because yeah, it's like it's diversified that's safe and but it's high growth. But if you look under the hood of this ETF there's NDQ I think has more high growth opportunity. Anyway, that's anyway, a whole that's, other conversation. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's leave it there. It's been a great <laughs> episode. A reminder Check in your show notes because there's going to be a link to sign up to FinFest, equitymates.com slash FinFest. Awesome. It's going to be an awesome event. We're going to have a lot more information coming at you over the next few months, but um, it is definitely not going to be one that you want to miss. Uh, please rate and review the show when you have an opportunity as well. It goes a long way to uh, helping us grow the show and get it in front of other new beginner investors. And of course, please share the show with friends and family who you think would benefit from uh, listening and starting their investing journey. Equally, we've got a Get Started Investing book that is available for you to buy that goes into a lot more detail around uh, taking that next step and getting you started on your investing journey. But as always, Ren, it's been a pleasure to chat stocks and we'll pick it up next week. Yeah, sounds good. Get Started Investing is a product of Equity Bates Media. 
All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Get Started Investing are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Get Started Investing acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.